Thank you, Yannick and Shoko. We, um, as you know, because you live in the United States, we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving this week. And so uh, we're going to eat, most of us, I hope, Lord willing, will eat well, maybe too well. But Thanksgiving is a unique holiday for us. It's not a worldwide thing. Um, it's something that people that pilgrimed over here gave thanks to God for His saving grace as they tried to scratch the dirt and scratch out a living in this new world was new to them. And they turned their eyes to God and gave thanks to God for everything. They learned that not to take things for granted. Sometimes when we don't have things, we realize we took what we did have for granted. And so it's unique to our nation. It's unique to our culture. But we want to, as a church... Also, during this time, make it a unique opportunity to give thanks to God. That's something that we do as a church all year round. Even in our time of praise, we had opportunity just to spontaneously thank the Lord, and there's much to thank God for. But at New Covenant Fellowship, we have a tradition. Um, And it is on the Sunday before Thanksgiving to open the, uh, the pulpit, I guess you'd say, to... Folks in the congregations or our brothers and sisters in Christ give an opportunity for you to share what God has been doing in your life this year. It's an opportunity to honor God, to glorify God, and to share with us, to edify us. God is real. God's alive. And here's what He's doing. And there's so many reasons to be grateful to God. And so that's what we're going to do with our service this morning. And four courageous folks have volunteered to give thanks to God. And so we're going to go, I always try to go in the order that people approach me and say, yes, I would like to speak. Um, And so we're going to do, the Nevin Rank family will go first, and then the Floyd Rank family will share, and then Janet Lurzer will share, and then Carol Suggs will share their thanks. So, uh, Nevin, if you'd... Come forth. And there's no need for me, I don't think, to introduce you each time. So after Nevin's finished, Floyd, if you'd step up, and then Janet, and then Carol. Thanks. Um, Eileen and Alyssa are going to play a song. It's probably familiar to most of us um, called We Give Thanks. But we wanted to share the backstory behind the song. Alyssa's Hammer Dulcimer teacher, Timothy Seaman, shared it with us when, when uh, he gave the music to her and, and she started learning it. And Timothy was in college. His college roommate was Henry Smith. And Henry Smith is the man who wrote Give Thanks in 1978. Um, and it was, he, he, it was played, they, they sang it in their church when Henry, Henry and his wife sang it in their church. Um, and it uh, was played at Timothy's wedding. Um, and Timothy said their wedding, it was just around the time when uh, video uh, was starting, weddings were becoming videoed. So their wedding was videoed. Um, and then you'll find out that's important later on. Um, so the song was, was recorded at that time. And somebody picked up the song, and, and the song went worldwide. Um, 
it was it was sang in Russian. It was um, all, all over the place. Timothy said they had tracked it. Um, they they think there was a, a teacher that would would go over to Europe every year, and there was a church there, and they would ask her to sing a song, and she started singing the song over there, and I think that's one of the ways it it got out, um, and and started spreading around the world. But in um, Hosanna Music published the uh, the song, and they didn't know who the author was. And they had tried to find the author, and, and they lost lost the trail somewhere in Europe. And um, Henry Smith was in the medical field, and he developed uh, macular de- degeneration in his eyes. And as you can probably figure, in the medical field, your eyes are pretty important. Um, so he had to... He was going to have to, to quit um, his job, and so his wife was going to get a job, and, and he was going to go home and, and teach her children. Um, about that time, a friend of his came came over and, and uh, with a cassette, and he said, hey, he said, you need to listen to this song. And it was, we give thanks. And Henry said, that's my song. He said, I wrote that song. So he contacted um, Hosanna Music, and... And uh, he said, you know, that's my song. And, and they said, well, we've been trying to find out who the author was. They said, you know, do you have any way of proving it? He said, well, yeah, you know, I have video from a friend's wedding. And, uh, and so, so that's, that's how they found out about it, and, and uh, I learned about it. And through that, through the royalties from that song, um, he was able to support his family, even though he could no longer work. And it was just—it's just really neat how that, how the Lord worked through that. I mean, from 1978, you know, when He wrote that song, and 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 that is the only song He has written over 300 songs. That is the only song that has ever been published of His. So it's just—it's really neat. So that's the backstory behind the song. I just wanted to add something to give you a little bit of background why it became important to us. We had a weekend. Um, where we were going to go out and do some homeschool testing, and it was out close to Virginia Beach. And I was not looking forward to the weekend at all. I was just not into it. <laughs> and um, was feeling probably ungrateful. And um, we ended up going and taking Alyssa out. Well, we took the whole family with us. And while we were out there, we figured we are going to go and visit her music teacher because she Skypes her lessons. And um, so we took the Hammer Dossimer out and, and spent time with, a little bit of time with, with Timothy Seaman, and he told us this story. And it was just a magical weekend. It wasn't magical. It was Holy Spirit inspired because there was really, really cool things that happened throughout that whole weekend to show God's faithfulness to us. We ran into people that just spoke into our lives, and that was one little nugget of uh, a very special weekend for us, which is why we want to play it today.
కానిస్టేబుల్ ఐ ట్రై టు think of many things well i don't have to try to think of many things there's just so many things god has blessed us with and uh, i had a thought come into my mind this morning during the sunday school class as a result of something that john shared in the class and i i feel led at this time to share that and that was at the time of of my wife ellen's death at the time of of my wife ellen's death um right before she died i didn't realize it till afterwards just really what it meant but she had on her face these are brown things like i have and right before she died her face completely cleared up just for a short time just caught totally clear. her face just looked like a newborn baby all all that went away but then when she died and it came back to normal and the power of god we 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 question sometimes I have really what all God can do. How great is God? But we have no reason to, to to question God's greatness. God is so great and God loves us so much. And um you know, I I um, the Lord brought Millie into my life. which is an, another great blessing. I I didn't expect that when Ellen passed away. I thought, well, at 78 years old, I'm old enough to go and do something else. And but God revealed to me that he had something other other plans for me and which I'm very happy to that all turned out like it has. Millie has been a great blessing to me. So but I'd like to read Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. No. Make I'm sorry. Make a joyful sound. Make a joyful shout to the Lord. All the, all your land serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his friends with singing. Know ye that the Lord he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name for his mercy for the Lord is good his mercy is everlasting his truth endures to all generations well i i th- thought of a number of things that i'm thankful for and one of the first things that comes in my mind is when i think of what am i thankful for the first thing is jesus Jesus means so much to me. I I'm, I'm looking forward to the day that I'm not here anymore. I'm not here anymore. I'm in glory with with Ellen the first wife. So I I'm very 
thankful for the plan of salvation. Very thankful for the plan of salvation. And, uh, and, the, and that Jesus is preparing a mansion for me. We live in a little mobile home now, but he's preparing a mansion. And, uh, and the life he gives me, the joy, the peace, the peace. If you don't have peace, I say you don't know Jesus Christ. I challenge anyone here, if you don't have peace, if you're not living in peace in your life, get to know Jesus Christ. If you don't know how, I'd love to talk to you. Jesus brings peace and enjoyable. Life is enjoyable with Jesus Christ. It's, it just is. I just love it. And I like, I like when I'm working during the week, or whenever it is, I can talk to Jesus as I'm working. And if I have questions, I can ask him for them right now. And he doesn't always give me the answer right now, but he's there. He hears. He listens. And I think sometimes, how, how well do I listen? But I, I'm still thankful for what he does, does for me. And again, I'm so thankful that the Lord brought Millie and I together. We, we are enjoying life very much together. The Lord is helping us in many ways. Uh, I, I look about me and I, I think about the trees. I, you know, I, I appreciate the trees, the nature, the flowers, the grass that God has given us. All these things He gave it to us to enjoy, not not, not to misuse or anything, but you to enjoy it. And. Uh, I'm thankful that he's helping me in scripture memorization. I'm trying to memorize more scripture. It's just recently I learned the scriptures of the Roman road. And uh, it, it's, it's so great to know. It, and it brings us peace and happiness. And last but not least, I'm thankful for you. I love each one of you. I enjoy meeting you here Sunday morning. I, I miss you when you're not here. I miss you when you're not here. I love you. May the Lord bless us each and every one. Praise God. And it's so good to be able to be a witness for the Lord wherever I go. I mean, sometimes you get a little nervous, but just flow in God. That's what I have to do. I have to think about Him. First of all, I'm very thankful that God sent His Son to die for my sins, personally, my sins. And that we have the Holy Spirit to guide us all the days of our lives. Continually, I strive to lean on the Lord. And every morning, every evening, we strive to have devotion to Him. Sometimes it almost seems like duty, and I have to guard against that because I want it to be real. Just like when I come to church, I want it to be real. I don't want to be religious. I don't want it to just be a thing that I do, but I want it to be real. I want to feel God when I have my devotion. I want to feel God when I'm here. 
I know he's here, but I like to feel him. <laughs> Just like I like to feel my love for my husband. I love to feel when he tells me he loves me. I like to feel it. I am forever grateful for my life in him. The older I get, the more I realize how much I need him. I have not learned through suffering like many people have physical suffering, but I have done my suffering, <laughs> believe you me. Been re- rebuked a few times. I remember one time I was rebuked and I cried off and on for a whole week. I was so deeply hurt. But you know, in the end, hey God, you got me through it. Praise God. And when I healed, it, it was amazing. For a while, I wasn't afraid of nothing. But then now, I don't know why, then through the years, I, that fear looks like it wants to come back on. But anyway, like I say, a lot of people learn through suffering, they, sicknesses and things. But that's never been my lot. I have been well most all my life. Very little, very little problems. I had arthritis for a while. And then, you know, uh, through uh, I am cleansing, I got rid of the arthritis. So I am fa- praying pain-free today for the most part. And there's much to learn from scriptures. You know, like he was talking about memorizing scriptures and living the scriptures. To learn to live the scriptures. That is as a task. <laughs> and I learn a lot from observing other people too their lives oftentimes I can see Jesus in their lives and sometimes I see Christians that don't seem to have joy I said what's wrong are you letting life get you down so we should have joy all the time and that's when we look up because it's not going to come natural is it it's when we have our faith in the Lord that makes a difference Anytime I get my focus off of Jesus, I get in trouble. I I walked in religious for many years. I thought I had Jesus. But I didn't really have him. I learned a lot. You can learn a lot from scriptures. You can learn a lot from uh, sermons that preachers preach and things like that. But to really have him in your life is powerful. It's not a hope so it's not a uh it's real reality just like the lights are on that's a reality and i just my prayer is that he will deepen my desires more and more to want to please him we can in this life we we choose so much what i want and we oftentimes don't plan for what he wants. And what does he want from us? He wants us to always be ready to give up. What's it? Uh, the hope. Account, the hope that it is in us. Always be ready to witness. I often pray, Lord, you know, I want to go out to the store, you know. Lord, who can I witness to today? I, I don't do it all the time, but when I do, oftentimes I get opportunities uh, to talk about the Lord. Or, or just, you know, just our, our demeanor is so important that we 
keep a sweet demeanor towards people. Uh, that That's a witness. And try to always have a good attitude. Uh, even when I talk on the phone, when I get angry about certain things, I, I still try to keep a good attitude <laughs> towards some of these business people you deal with. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> But just like I fight for my relationship with Floyd, when we first got married, it was like the Lord said, fight for your relationship. You know, I try to let nothing come between us. We might get in our arguments, but I started looking at the Lord. I said, uh-uh, this ain't going to happen. Satan ain't going to take, take that relationship away from us. I never knew what oneness was until I married Floyd. And we've always had oneness, basically. Even when we, we started dating, it was like... Just like we were just meant for each other. And I never have felt uncomfortable around him. Never. And, uh, and it's just been wonderful. Our marriage has been almost seven years now. And, uh, but it's just like that, though. If we don't fight for our relationship with Jesus and do what we know to do, we'll stray from him very quickly, very easily. And I, I, always, I always believe in church. I always believe we need to be in church. We need that devotion daily with the Lord and that's why you know I've always for many years I've always did the first morning devotion but since I met Floyd we started doing evening devotion I think it's good before you go to bed you know to have some time to talk to the Lord and read his word so I just encourage you if you if you don't really know Jesus don't pretend There's no good to pretend that you know him. You either do or you don't. God knows, doesn't he? He knows where we stand with him. And always remember, we have an enemy. He doesn't relent. He's always wanting to separate us from God. So if he can trip trip us up, he'll do it. If he can get us distracted from other things and things of this world, he will do it. So we just... Like I said, my desire is to be a witness for him wherever I go, whatever I do. Um, and I, I, I just want to please him more and more. I, I remember the experience I had down in uh, North Carolina when we went to the Voice of the Martyrs and how God touched my heart when I realized how selfish I can be. And how, I mean, he mentioned, one of the preachers mentioned how selfish Americans are. It's all about the American dream. It's all about what I, 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 I want. And not enough about what does he want. So we need to live for him. And that's my desire, to live for him and not be too attached to this world. Like he said, I'm looking forward to being with Jesus. And, you know, I know it's not, it would be hard for me to do without him, but I'll still have Jesus. And I might be go before him. <laughs> I don't know. We never know, do we? Because people die young. I want to mention one one more thing that you probably question. Just recently, we have started, we have the Word of God on tape, the the whole Bible. Uh, No, I don't know if it's the whole Bible, the New Testament, and we're playing that. We start that off when we go to bed. It's amazing how much better I sleep. And if you're in trouble with sleep, try it. 
It's just amazing. The Word of God is powerful. Hi, y'all. Um, I should have been the first one to ask to give a Thanksgiving, but I started not to do it, and then the Lord kind of spoke to my heart and said, uh, don't you have something you could be thankful for this year? Which, like everybody else has said, we could just go through the list and not stop. Any of you could. I know you could. Uh, but God kind of brought me and my family through a thing this year. <laughs> A thing, uh, and kind of caught us all by surprise. So most of you know about that because you prayed us through it. But some of you don't, so I'm going to bring you up to date and just share what uh, I feel like God did. I can only speak from my. It's another story. His story would be different than mine, as with my kids and as yours is. Um, so Friday evening, April twelfth. I began to notice a pain in my back. And I think you'd already gone to bed. It may have started a little bit before he went to bed. I'm a night owl, so I'm roaming. <laughs> and I don't know, what is that? And it got worse, and it got worse, and it got worse fast. And um, it started kind of catching when I breathe. And, and with me, my breathing is my issue. I'm a chronic asthmatic. I've had asthma all my life. It wasn't diagnosed to my adult years. But I've had it. So whenever something affects my lungs, I go, okay, I may need some help. So, you know, in a couple hours, I go, my pain is worse. I'm, my breathing is catching a little bit. My blood pressure, I finally decided to take my blood pressure, which was like 210 over 180. <laughs> so I wake him up and say, um, I think we better <laughs> go check this out. Um, so he took me to the ER. When we got there, I gave him my history, which included having flu, just getting over flu, really, a couple of weeks before. Uh, it included a sensitivity to narcotics, and uh, I'm allergic to penicillin and a couple of other things, but I can't take narcotics. Uh, it knocked me out. Um, but because I was in such extreme pain, uh, they gave me morphine and continue to give me morphine <laughs> for the next four or five days. So I don't remember much after going to the uh, hospital. Um, <laughs> they put me in an ambulance and took me to Lynchburg to further investigate. They, of course, the first thing they suspect anything to do with this area is heart. So they did every test. I want to report that I'm in great health. My heart is fine. They did MRIs. Two, they did endoscopies. Was it my GI? Was it my back? What, what was it? No. So by Wednesday, they decided, um, we can't find anything wrong. We think she's making this up. We think she's, you know, you know, maybe anxious, maybe depressed. I've been anxious. I've been depressed. Those are real. I don't discount those. <laughs> so, but this wasn't what that was. By Wednesday, I, I had been, I don't remember this, but I've been complaining of um, tingling in pins and needles in my hands, pins and needles in my feet. I had gradually lost use of my legs. I couldn't lift them off the bed. They felt like 
when your arm goes asleep or something like that. I would have to, I had to, you know, they had to be moved. Uh, so those, the, the, uh, by Wednesday, it was, the doctor kind of pulled my family aside and said, we're going to discharge her. We don't, we, we think, you know, we think she's making this up. So I, I don't know how you make up not having feelings in your legs. I mean, that you know, anyway, so because I don't think I got, I don't remember being upset about it. I don't remember that. The only thing I remember from that space of time, from the time I went to Southside EI to Lynchburg, is I remember waking up in an MRI machine or coming to. I don't think I was asleep all this time. I just don't recall it. And, you know, the whiteness of that machine going over you. And I just went right back out. <laughs> That's all I remember. And I remember a nurse in the room uh, when I was still on the second floor trying to get me up in a wheelchair for another test. And my daughters were in the room. And they said, she can't stand up. Oh, yeah, she can stand up. You're just giving her too much attention. If you would just leave the room, she could get up. So, of course, I don't know if you know my daughters. (laughs) And, you know, so anyway, uh, and that that came down the pike from the, that's what the doctor thought. So that was in my charts and that. That's the way I was being treated. So anyway, um, about that time, uh, in the middle of that crisis, what do you do? You know, what do you do? Uh, Helma didn't know what to do. Ilse didn't know what to do. Alice didn't know what to do. They were trying to communicate with the doctors. And it was quite a, it was a crisis. For them more than me. <laughs> I don't remember being in crisis about this. So that's their story. I do was told later, and one of the things I was told by Ilza just recently, these things keep coming up. She says, do you realize that the first weekend you were at Lynchburg, that they thought they had OD'd you and they had the Narcan ready to administer? <laughs> I go, no, I don't, didn't know that. And uh, so <laughs> that shows my sensitivity there. So they, they did decide that they finally had to take me off the narcotics, even, you know, for whatever reason. And I don't know whether it was prior to that or after, but in the midst of this, I was also having, I began to have hallucinations. It, I won't go there for the sake of the children <laughs> present, but that was pretty terrifying, not only for me, because it was very real to me, what I was seeing, but that kind of substantiated the doctor's claim that maybe I was <laughs> that maybe I was mentally unfit. So but and that kept that continued even when they took me uh, off of the morphine. That that those hallucinations continued almost until I left the hospital to go to um, the rehab hospital in Charlottesville. It took a long time for all that to work out of my system and I was confused. I thought they were dragging me around from room to room. I, I thought I was at home. they'd taken me home. I thought they also had taken me to Appomattox to a bed and breakfast. I, I was, it was very confusing, which was, imagine if you're in the place in my family here. And they're saying, Mom, we haven't moved you. Honey, you're, you know, we're, you're, you're okay. 
But I, I said, I'm, I'm on TV. I know what you do. <laughs> they couldn't get anything by me. <laughs> Fortunately, Ilza says I wasn't ugly during that time, so I'm thankful for that. <laughs> so when, the, when the, the doctor came in and told him, they're beside themselves. I had, uh, and they never left me during this first week. There was somebody always, and most, all of them almost always, they were on the phone to my son in New York. And then I, I, my, my um, um, family physician for years, who recently retired, and his dear wife, I'm not mentioning any names, uh, came to visit. And, you know, they, they heard what the doctor said, they, you know, the doctor asked him questions, and uh, John took Helmut aside and said, you, you, need, you need to get a diagnosis here. This is, something is going on. And he gave Helmut very specific uh, advice and suggestions on where to go from there. And so Helmut did what, he, what was suggested, and... Uh, so that when they did the spinal tap the next day, or later that day, I forget when it was. I never remembered when it was. But anyway, uh, and called in the neurologist. They very quickly decided, no, she has got Guillain-Barre, which took me until I got in Greek to, to pronounce, uh, GBS, which was a neurological uh, syndrome that often comes after a, a viral, a, a stomach virus or the flu, and um, they, you know, they, which can cause paralysis starting at the, the feet and working itself up. Ricky Dean, a local young man, had it, and I uh, was told that a family went to see him and the only thing he could move was his eyeballs. So, and, uh, He's recovered completely, too, praise the Lord. Uh, but anyway, they told me it could be six months, a year, if I could recover, it, to learn to walk again. It could be longer. Not everybody recovers completely. Most people do, but 30% of people don't. And so, you know, you know, you, 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 you know they, they have a treatment for it, which is wonderful. They haven't always had that. But they give you four infusions of um, uh, immunoglobulins, four consecutive days. And when they did that, it immediately arrested. It stopped progressing. It had gotten to the point where when they touched my sides, I, I couldn't always tell they were doing it. And uh, so it was... It was, working, it was working its way out. And I've always been thankful in the process that it didn't make it to my lungs because of that chronic asthma. So it didn't, it didn't get up here because I'm not sure. Like you said, they were getting ready to discharge me. And I worry about having been sent home in this condition. Uh, anyway, uh, so they released me finally to go to the rehab hospital and... You know, it's just pretty amazing to me. I, I got there, and I was just, the, the first thing, the, the physical therapist, both in the hospital, well, I want to back up a little bit, excuse me. When they diagnosed me, when they started those transfusions, they moved me 
from the second floor up to the third floor at Lynchburg General, and the attention and the care could not have been better. It was a complete turnaround. Everybody went out of their way to see that I had everything I needed, that took care of me, the physical therapist started coming once they knew. It was that first, <laughs> that first week that was just horrible. And, and of course, that was a lot of relief for my family. We know what it is. At least now we can deal with it. And so when I did get to, and again, like I said, it didn't, nothing's, my, my blood pressure is still not moderated. It would go up. They'd have to give me hydrazine to, to, to bring it down, and then it would bottom out. I would get too low. So that's still going on. The hallucinations are still going on. The pain in my back was less, but it was still real. Uh, but they didn't give me morphine. They gave me Tylenol. <laughs> so thank God for that. And so they transferred me to uh, the UVA Encompass, and I, they were wonderful. And they were, from start to finish, they looked after all these physical things that were going on. They looked after uh, me getting me back on my feet. And the first day, they played that trick on you <laughs> where you have two strong arms here, physical therapist, and two strong arms there, and they get you up and carry you a few feet, and they say, look, you can do it, you walked. And I said, right, I walked. But it worked. It gave you that, I, I will be able to walk again. My legs are not going to stay like this. And sure enough, within a week, they had me, at first they would put me with a the walker, they'd have the belt around me and hold me up. But within the week, I was walking on that walker by myself. A little bit, and then a little bit further, and then a little bit further, and then a little bit further. And by the next week, I was walking without the walker a little bit, and then a little bit. Not easy, and I've got videos of me <laughs> doing this. And one of the things that helped me through that was walking with my mother through physical therapy so many times. So I knew the routine. You know, when you get up, you know, you bend over, you know, you, you wait a minute, you don't just, you know, so all that experience helped me to do better with my own physical therapy. Uh, I had to be careful my blood pressure would still drop. It would, it would go up, it would go down. So all that they were watching, but they did a beautiful job. And that, they brought me three good meals a day, home cooked. I had, <laughs> they, they actually had a kitchen where they prepared it was, it was good food. I had fights with the doctor to get me off of the skim milk. I don't drink skim milk. I drink whole milk. Thank you. <laughs> and the doctor said, I agree. Everybody should drink whole milk. I'll change the orders. <laughs> so, and, you know, when I, um, um, the other thing I want to mention, they did pulmonary function test when I entered the home health, and they listened, you have to blow, breathe, blow. And they said, your lungs sound great. You got the best lungs in this place. And I said, well, praise the Lord. Nobody's ever complimented my lungs before. <laughs> and throughout this whole ordeal, my breathing was wonderful, which is, Pat, can I get a witness? That's <laughs> was wonderful. I mean, for my breathing... And it continues to be good, so praise the Lord for that. But I was just thankful. 
from the time I got in that rehab, I was just thankful. I was thankful I could walk. I was thankful for my husband. I was thankful for Ills and Alice and Jay and the too much attention they gave me. (laughs) Uh, I was thankful for your prayers and the calls and the cards. They said, I've never seen anybody get so many cards. And they were just all over there in my window where I could look at. Um, I was thankful some of you even made that long drive. I mean, if it wasn't Lynchburg, it was Charlottesville. And that's a long way from here to visit me. And some of you rolled me around to uh, smell the yellow roses. And it's a beautiful place where the uh, rehab hospital was. And I was thankful for that retired doctor and his concerned wife that shared wisdom. Um, I was thankful for all the good care I was receiving and the good food. I was just so happy (laughs) in that rehab hospital. I just knew that God had, you know, it was just, it was a great time. It was hard coming home. (laughs) So I had to do the cooking. All I had to do was... Get up when they told me. They made you know this three hours of physical therapy or occupational therapy every day, and you ate and oh, it was like a vacation. <laughs> um, and you know, since then I've realized of all the people involved in this thing that that God did, I think I had it the easiest. I don't remember the hard parts. I just remember the good parts. And I, I, um, I had so many advocates who were doing the hard lifting, the hard praying, making the hard decisions, and walking the hard road, getting things done so I could come home, so I could get better. I was just receiving the benefit of it all. All the hard wasn't on me, it was on others. This was a time when I had no ore to put in, and that doesn't happen often. I've got to put my ore in, even when it doesn't do any good. I had no strength to give. I had no words of wisdom. I, to tell you the truth, am ashamed to admit, I don't even remember praying until after they started the treatments. I don't remember crying out to the Lord. I'm sorry, it's just true. Uh, It was so not about me. And this was such a picture to me of my Lord Jesus. He's my perfect advocate. He stands in the gap. He intercedes for me before the Father. It's not based on my pitiful efforts. It's based on his heart, his blood shed, his body given to bring me into relationship with him and to take me one day to live with him forever. And I thank him today for that. And I thank you all for loving me and for being a part of the body of Christ in my life.
I have many things I'd like to say. Can you believe that? <laughs> but until this morning, at 8 o'clock, I didn't know what I was really going to say. Because I've been calling on the Lord to tell me what to say, and I had lots of different things, of different directions that I wanted to go in. And, I, and, I, and He still allowed me to do some of those things. But I'm going to talk to you about suffering. What is the meaning of suffering? I looked it up, by the way. A noun, the state of undergoing pain, distress, or hardship. All of us have been there. A verb is an experience or be subjected to something bad or unpleasant. All of us have been there. To be affected by or subject to an illness or ailment become or appear worse in quality, undergo martyrdom or execution, to be tolerant. As you see, there are many forms of suffering. Jesus suffered in many different ways. Why would we not expect to suffer just as he did? After all, we're supposed to be walking in his footsteps. Does that mean that being a Christian and his child, that we will automatically suffer? Absolutely not. But being a human being does mean that we will suffer in a variety of different ways before we die. What are some of the benefits of suffering? To bring us closer to God. To bring others closer to God. To make us humble to his will. To teach us to accept help and love from others. To give us an opportunity to serve. And the list goes on and on and on. Should we be afraid of suffering? Again, I say, absolutely not. As you know, for the past couple of years, I have had one medical issue after the other. Along with that came depression pain, but never fear. My belief in the Lord that He is always with me no matter what. So what do I have to be afraid about? Deuteronomy 13, uh, 31.8 says, The Lord Himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Sarah Young, an author of Jesus Today, writes, I, your loving Savior, am always with you. So is infinite God. I am omnipresent. Present everywhere at once. This makes it possible for me to go ahead of you, opening up the way without ever leaving your side. The promise of my presence is for all time. No matter where you go or what circumstances you encounter, I will be with you. This is the basis of your courage and confidence. Though fear and discouragement may sometimes slink into your heart, this is not their rightful home. Your heart is my dwelling place, and those hurtful emotions are not for me. In fact, my perfect love casts out fear. So check your heart from time to time to see if those unwelcome intruders 
wondering there. If you discover those unwelcome intruders, ask the Holy Spirit to function as a bouncer and boot them out. Then encourage yourself with my promise to go before you and be with you and let my perfect love renew your hope. Because the Bible gives us words of encouragement to trust and believe in our Heavenly Father, we can persevere through all things. Whether it is the death of a spouse, our child, the loss of our homes, our families, our eyes, our limbs, and a multitude of other things. Our faith in God and His Word is our lifeline to our lives. During my surgeries and medical confinements, my father lavished me with his unfailing love and mercy. All of the things that I went through were not pleasant and quite often very painful. But not, I did not think of the crucifixion. All of the things that I went through were not pleasant and quite often very painful. But I thought of the crucifixion and decided that if he could do that for me, then I would seek out ways to glorify him in my weakness. Many opportunities were afforded me. I prayed with nurses, doctors, other patients, and with the body of Christ, my family. I shared how good God is, even in the face of affliction and pain. He blessed me with so many people, those who took me to the doctors or hospitals, who sent me some cards too, by the way, Janet, letters and books of encouragement, those who came on a regular basis to visit or have lunch with me, those who did my laundry, took my calls for me, ran errands, prayed for me, sent me flowers or coffee. God is so very good to me as well as to those who don't even know that the blessings came from Him. Some of the people that I just want to mention that were so um, such an integral part of this was um, Deborah, who was my speech therapist. And she memorized scriptures with me. Um, she said, Carol, this is a good thing. I haven't done this in years. And so when we would see each other in the hall, I would start it, whatever that day's was, and she would finish it. And before long, one day we were in the therapy room and we had been talking about um, fruits of the Spirit. And another therapist over here, he, he quoted the whole thing. And we're like, whoa, that's good. A real blessing that I had was one day my nurse came in and she said, there are two young men out here waiting to see you. And I said, okay. So when she left, they came in and it was Dakota and Gabriel. Well, my friend, Mama D, she had put them up to something she knew that I wanted very, very much. Before I went to have surgery the last time, before I went to the woodland the last time, I wanted my car cleaned, and it never got done. So the boys came. They were just going to clean the inside. I handed Dakota my keys. I gave him a little bit of money, which he refused, and they took it away, and they washed it, and they cleaned it, and they brought it back. And that was like, that's a small thing, but you know what? That was a God thing. That was God loving on me through them. I remember the first time I was in the hospital. I want to thank Rachel for going with her mom to buy me some pajamas. 
Chris for coming in doing home repairs at my house, my siblings for catering to my needs at home, my children and grandchildren for loving me even when they were unable to be with me physically. I want to thank the body of Christ for loving me with the Spirit of God. Our Father stretched New Covenant Fellowship, but they were stretchable. As they reached and served not just me, but many others as well. As I was in St. Mary's in Richmond, Janet Hunter was in St. Francis in Midlothian, and Janet Lurzer was in the hospital in Lynchburg, and then she went to Charlottesville. Iris lost her husband. And many other things happened. And yet God gave this body the strength, the fortitude, and unfailing love to meet the needs of his people, their family. Romans 12, 12 through 13. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. I am blessed beyond measure to be a daughter of the King. And when I'm discouraged, I'm going to stand up and adjust my crown. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Nevin and Eileen and Alyssa and Floyd and Millie and Janet and Carol. Appreciate you sharing your heart. Um, I do want to just close with a verse because I think it kind of summarizes what has been explained, these unique experiences and how God just uses songs and appointments and sickness and health and the body of Christ and so many different things. In Psalm 44, the psalmist says, For not in my bow do I trust, nor can my sword save me. But you have saved us from our foes and have put to shame those who hate us. In God we have boasted continually, and we will give thanks to your name forever. And I think what we hear is that we go out and we do and we serve and we work. And it didn't say that he didn't have a bow and he didn't shoot arrows or he doesn't swing a sword. We do all these things, but it's God. It's because God is at work. And as I think about um, all the people here this morning, we're here because God is at work. He brings us here. And I know that we get out of bed and we get ourselves ready, but it's God. And He has exposed us this morning to testimonies of what He's doing, the work He's doing in people's lives. We sang a line in one of our songs about a Redeemer that, Thank you for leaving your spirit until the work on earth is done. The work on earth is not yet done. And that is why we are here, to glorify His name. And He's blessed us with the testimonies. And I don't know about you, but my heart is filled with gratitude because we have a God that's not just there and faithful when things go well and we're healthy. He gets down wherever He needs to and takes us through. God is enough. Bless His holy name. Thank you for your obedience and your courage to edify all of us and sharing your testimonies this morning. Corky, you want to come close us out?